I'm a covenant man Living in the riches of my Lord and King I'm a covenant man Committed to Him in everything I do Hello everybody and welcome to the Covenant Living Broadcast. My name is David Weeder. Let's have a word of prayer and get right into the Word. Glory to God. Father, we thank you for this wonderful, wonderful day. This is the day that you have made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. I thank you for this, another opportunity to teach and preach your Word. I'm asking you to think through my mind, speak through my lips, that I may communicate the oracles of God, the revelation in the scripture accurately and precisely. And I'm asking you that the people hear it equally as accurately. Holy Spirit, minister revelation to them, to their spirits, that it may manifest through their minds for the transforming of their lives in every area of their life. I thank you for it. I ask you in faith. I know that they are in agreement with me. Therefore, we receive it done in Jesus' name. Glory to God. Thank you for joining us today on the broadcast. I am so thrilled over these last oh five broadcasts. Just been having a great time in the richness of the Word of Almighty If you haven't done so, go back to the first part of this series and catch up. I'm going to recap it here in just a a couple minutes. But obviously, you know, we went into much more detail in each one of the broadcasts. And so you're going to want to go back. You're going to want to study it. Get caught up because I know where this is headed and it is so good. (laughs) <laughs> I believe his brother Jesse said, "I won't buy this tape myself." I tell you what, I've been I've been learning right along with with you, and uh, I'm going to have to go back and listen to it myself. It's rich, it's powerful, and it will produce the results you need and desire in your life. Glory to God. So what? Let me let me recap here. So we we concentrated our study in the first couple broadcasts on. Matthew chapter 8, Mark chapter 4. And we started with, uh, in, in Matthew 8, 5, when the centurion came to Jesus and he talked about, he told him about his, his servant lying uh, sick of the palsy. And Jesus said, I will come and heal him. And the centurion made this statement. Speak the word only and my servant will be healed. Speak the word only. Well, Jesus' response to that was basically just forgive me, this is the Weeder translation. Wow! I haven't seen this level of faith anywhere. Now what he actually said, he marveled and said he had not found such great faith. No, not in Israel. That's massive Faith in the spoken word of God. Well, then we we followed the timeline a little further on, and we went over to uh, Mark chapter four, and we saw where Jesus expounded on that, 
and he he taught the sower sows the word and then he went on to talk about how you hear the word how you measure it is how it will be measured to you the centurion now they, the disciples had just witnessed this example in front of their very own eyes now Jesus is teaching on it the centurion gave great weight and great value to the spoken word when spoken in authority. In other words, the spoken word of God. He understood. He was under authority and he was over others in authority. And he understood a command issued and the authority of that command. Well, so did Jesus. We got to see a little while later when Jesus went into the boat and the word of the Lord was, let's depart and go over to the other side. Well, that was the spoken word. Now we get to see an example of the disciples applying or not applying what they had just been taught and what they had just witnessed. The storm came. They had a choice on how to weigh how what value to give the spoken word of God. Let's go to the other side. Well, <clears throat> they chose to give the word that there's a big storm out here more weight and more value than the word of God that said, let's go to the other side. And we talked about how we see that in the church all the time. I know the Bible says by his stripes I was healed, but flu season's coming. So people give a higher value and higher weight to the flu season coming than they give to by his stripes ye were healed. We see it all the time. And, you know, I'm sure the disciples justified it. Just you know, I didn't realize that was actually the word of God. I thought he was just saying, "Well, let's go to the other side." But Jesus had told him, "I only say what I hear my Father say, and I only do what I see my Father do." It was the word of God. So anyway, we see the two different contrasts. The disciples valued the word that this is a big storm more than let's go to the other side. They had to go wake up the man who did the opposite. Jesus, his value and his weight was given to let's go to the other side. The word of his father. It doesn't matter what else came. It could have been this storm. It could have been faulty craftsmanship and the ship fell apart. It could have been anything. Nothing had the weight. He heard nothing that had the weight of, let's go to the other side, the weight of the Word of God. That's where his value was. He was in perfect peace, faith in the Word. He arose. The storm couldn't stand up to it, and they went to the other side because the power was in the Word to go to the other side. And then we saw in Romans chapter 1 and verse 15 and 16 where the gospel, 
the good news of the Word of God is the power of God unto to produce salvation. The salvation package. Not just the recreation of the, of the human spirit. We're going to see that more here in just a little bit. But all of salvation, deliverance, protection, prosperity, health, everything that pertains to life and godliness. The power to accomplish it is in the Word. That's the power that obliterated that storm. And we saw how that power, if you look up that word power, it is specifically miraculous power, the power to accomplish anything possible or impossible. That's the power of God that's in the Word. And then we took that back over and we went over into Psalm 91. And we went through Psalm 91 and we laid the groundwork of studying Psalm 91 and seeing the uh, three main people who, uh, who are speaking in Psalm 91, starting with the individual, like, you know, say myself, uh, declaring, the Lord is my refuge, my fortress, my God, in Him will I trust. And then we talk about Jesus, our, we, we talked about our Jesus, our intercessor, and um, all the, the verses in between. And then we got down to where we saw that God Almighty took the platform, and He spoke in the last few verses of uh, the last three verses of Psalm 91 because he has set his love upon me therefore will I deliver him I will set him on high because he has known my name he shall call upon me and I will answer him I will be with him in trouble I will deliver him and honor him and with long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation glory to God and then we started going into the words and we started digging into the meanings and we looked about honor and what does honor mean? It means rich. You know, it means it means a good name, a big name, a famous name, make your name great, exalt you. And we went over to Genesis chapter 12 and we saw where that's what God did for, for Abraham. You know, and we, we talked about the, the old sacred cow of, uh, oh, we're supposed to be humble and lowly not true. We're not supposed to exalt ourselves. The new covenant says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Well, it just said he'll set you on high. He may exalt you. That doesn't sound like he wants a lowly person to you. I mean, to me, shouldn't to you. He wants to exalt. He doesn't want you exalting yourself because then you'll get into pride. But he wants to exalt you. And my brother and sister, let me tell you, he is the most high. Can't nobody lift you up as high as the most high. And he wants to exalt you up above the fray. Up above the fray. Up above the storms. Up above all of that. We, You know, I'm a pilot. And, and, and we, you come up and you break out above the storm clouds. And everything's just clear and nice and smooth and all that storm is happening down there and it can affect you one bit that's what it means i will set him on high because he has known my name my character my reputation 
Oh, glory to God. So rich. Ah, he shall call me, call upon me and I will answer him. I will. I will. I will come and heal him. He'll call me with the problem. I'll come with the solution. I had the solution before the problem arose. I said, let's go to the other side before the storm ever came up. And the power to, for the answer was there before the storm. Glory to God. Whoo, man, I just, I preach myself happy so many times in this series. I'm doing it again today. I will deliver him and honor him. That's his will. I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him. You want to know the will of God? There it is. Delivering us, honoring us, setting us on high. Being everything that we could possibly ever need or want. Now, let's dig into this last verse. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. I want to look at a couple words here for you. Dig around here a little bit. I want to look at that word satisfy. With long life will I satisfy him. That word satisfy means to be full, have plenty, satiate, and it actually carries the idea with it to be weary of. You ever eaten so much you just couldn't, you just, I can't stand to even look at another bite. That's how full we're supposed to be with life, life more abundantly, our salvation package. It says, satisfy him and show him. That word show means to experience in sight of others. Now that is important. You are supposed to be experiencing life in abundance as a demonstration, a testimony, and a witness to the world. Isn't that what he did to Abraham? Everybody saw it was God that made Abram rich. And you didn't want to mess with that old man because everything he set his hand to succeeded. And if, and if you blessed him, you got blessed. But you didn't want to curse him and come against him. That's not the thing to do. That was a testimony to the power and goodness of God. And that's what we're supposed to be. Show him my salvation. That word salvation does not just mean the recreation of the human spirit. There was no creation of the human spirit available when Psalm 91 was written. <laughs> you got that? Let me say that again. There was no recreation of the human spirit available when Psalm 91 was written. That is not when the new covenant talks about salvation. It includes that. And thank God. The most important part of that is our lamb, our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. But it also includes everything that salvation included in the Old Covenant. We didn't get less, we got more. It just added to it. Glory to God, you got to get a hold of that. And we are supposed to be living examples of the Lord's salvation. We're supposed to be so satisfied, so full of life. Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. 
One translation says that they might have and enjoy life and have it to the full till it overflows. That's what this is talking about. But what are we supposed to be satisfied with? Long life. Well, what is that? What is long life? Is it 70 years? Is it 80 years? Is it 90 years? 50 years? Well, if you ask most people in the church what long life is, they'll say it's 70 years or if by strength, 80. Now, where do they get that? Well, back up one chapter to Psalm 90. That's where they got it. And I'm just going to read the verse that they got it from and then we're going to talk about it. In verse 10 of Psalm 90, it says, The days of our years are threescore years and ten, seventy years, or even if by reason of strength fourscore years or eighty years, yet is there pride in additional years, only labor and sorrow, for soon it is gone and we fly away. Okay, threescore and seventy, that's pretty plain, isn't it? Look, if you have an amplified classic version, look it up and there's a footnote there. Now I'm going to read it. If you don't have it, just pay very, very, very close attention to this. Okay? This psalm is credited to Moses, who is interceding with God to remove the curse which made it necessary for every Israelite over 20 years of age when they rebelled against God at Kadesh Barnea to die before reaching the promised land. Moses says most of them are dying at 70 years of age. This number has often been mistaken as a set span of life for all mankind. It was not intended to refer to anyone except those Israelites under the curse during that particular 40 years. 70 years never has been the average span of life for humanity. When Jacob, the father of the 12 tribes, had reached 130 years, he complained he had not attained to the years of his immediate ancestors. In fact, Moses himself lived to be 120 years old, Aaron 123, Miriam several years older, and Joshua 110 years of age. Note as well that in the millennium, a person dying at 100 will still be thought of as a child, according to Isaiah 65.20. Did you hear that? 70 or 80 was only for a stiff-necked, rebellious people. It's never been the span of life. So if you want to find out what God means when He says with long life, how are you going to find out? The only way to find out is to listen what God actually said about it. So turn with me over to Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6 and verse 2. Well, no, 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 excuse me. Go on down to verse 3. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh. Yet, you listening? His days shall be a hundred and twenty years. That is what God said about it. Now, uh, just with, just to impress upon you something a little further, go over to Exodus. Hold your place there. Hold your place there in, in Genesis six. We're gonna come right back there. Okay, but go with me over to, to Exodus chapter twenty. Exodus chapter twenty. And I'm going to go ahead and start reading. And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Number one, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Number two, 
Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above. And scroll on down. And number three, and sh uh, uh, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God. In what am I reading? The whole world knows that these are what's known as the Ten, ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments. Thou shalt, thou shalt, thou shalt. Go back to, turn back to Genesis 6, verse 3. Yet his days shall be. Can you tell me what the difference is in shall be in Genesis 6 and shall in Exodus 20? No, it's the command, spoken command word of God. The days of man shall be 120 years. Now, we're just about out of time. So turn back over. To Psalm 91, and we'll get to the we'll get to the the conclusion. If I can stay seated, seated, uh, and not get up and run around this place and, and and take off with a microphone and stuff. Okay, look, look. We started with the last verse on purpose. With long life will He satisfy me, and we've gone through all of those. That's at the end. Now let's go to the beginning. I will say of the Lord, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Thank God I'm born again. I'm in God. God's in me. I'm in the presence of the Almighty. Now I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him will I trust. That's what I say. That's what I say all the time. That's what I live. I don't say anything else but that. My faith is in my God. And with long life, he's going to satisfy me. But in order for that to happen, he's going to have to deliver me from the snare of the fowler, from the noise and pestilence. He's going to have to cover me with his feathers. He's going to have to not, I'm not going to have to be afraid of the terror by night, for the arrow flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wastes at, at noonday. Why? Because a thousand can fall at my side, ten thousand at my right, right hand. But it won't come near me. Why? Because the power of God, the miraculous power, the power to accomplish anything possible or impossible is in the word. You shall live 120 long, satisfied to the full years upon this earth and the power to accomplish 120 years. The power to go over to the other side is in the command spoken word of God and no pestilence, no, no, no snare, nothing has the power to cause that not to happen. There is no greater power than the power of God contained in the days of man shall be 120 years. No storm, no cancer, no sickness, no catastrophe, no accident, nothing has the power to stand up against the days of man shall be 120 years. I'm going to the other side. Will you come with me? Come on, let's go to the other side. That's the lifespan set by God. And he tells us what to eat to help to do that. He tells us in Proverbs, he gives us examples of how to lengthen, how to go towards that 120. He gives us examples of how to shorten that. So don't do those. Because the power to accomplish it is contained in the spoken, in the word of God. Speak it. Put it in your mouth. The days of this man 
will be 120 long, satisfied years that I live to the full in my salvation, my deliverance, my protection, my health, and my prosperity. Glory to God. And we are completely out of time, but we got there. Come on. Go with me to the other side. I'll see you next time. Glory to God. God loves you, and so do I. And Jesus is Lord.